Good afternoon. Open your Bibles to the Epistle of John. The first Epistle of John, chapter 5. In Corinthians, we're instructed to examine whether we be in the faith. And this service is, may have uh, may be varied in content and subject matter, but the uh, essence of this service is that we, as we look forward to this evening, that we have a mind uh, more towards our heart and examining ourselves or our faith. I'm not sure that this is really a time that we need to be hard on ourselves or be digging up past sins and everything that we've done wrong in the last year. That's not really the intent of this service, but rather that we examine whether we be in the faith. And that faith is, as we endorse here, alone through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Epistle of John chapter 5 mentions this believing, this knowing, and I just thought for an opening uh, exercise we would look at a few verses from chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now this is one reason I love the study of the scriptures is the word of God is so simple that even a young child can believe, understand, and be saved. And yet it is so deep that even the scholars through the years cannot plumb the depths of it. And so these words that we're going to read in opening are so, so simple. And yet, if you open your heart to these words, it will take you rather deep as you examine your own heart, whether you be in the faith. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know, so some of these, it may be a confirmation of your faith this afternoon. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments is not grievous. This chapter deals with the multiple witness of Jesus Christ. In these first three verses, I've noted in my Bible that our hearts and our lives, the way we live our lives, is a testimony, is a witness that Jesus is the Son of God. Whosoever believeth speaks about what's deep in our heart. And if, if your faith takes you to the point where you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that is a witness within yourself. 
And then as it says here, if we love God, we will keep his commandments. It speaks about our life and our, even our lifestyle. So what's in our heart and what is in our outward life is a witness that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 4, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Again, it takes us to our faith. And when we overcome the things of the world, when we find victory in the challenges around us, that is a witness within yourself and within your life that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what this chapter is dealing with. Jesus is the Son of God. And it comes in varied witnesses. And so even in your victories, you overcoming the world is a sign within yourself that increases your faith that Jesus is the Son of God because you have overcometh the world if you believe. Verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that beareth witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Now the simplicity of this passage is the threefold witness that Jesus is the Son of God. The Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost in heaven, and the water, the blood, and the Spirit on earth. These three agree in one. This is the threefold witness of Christ, that he is the Son of God. It comes from heaven. It's on earth. So the, Jesus is the Son of God, and we find that witnessed in our own faith, in our heart, in believe, simply believing that He is the Son of God, and in our life, by keeping His commandments and doing what the Word says, it is also a witness within ourselves by overcoming the world, and now it is a threefold witness in heaven and in earth by God Himself. Verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth, verse 10, he that believeth, and that is the faith that you have, he that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because... He believeth not the record that God gave his son. Again, this is the witness 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God through our faith. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath life, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written to you that ye believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And so I could pose a lot of questions to you this afternoon to make you think and to make you go deep into your heart. But the real question is that we ask ourselves, according to our faith, do you know that you have eternal life? Because ultimately that's the question that we, every one of us must answer as we go to the table. We know that we have eternal life because we have believed in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. And that belief, that faith within you is that witness that he is the Son of God. Let's come before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we approach you at your throne of grace, we just are so thankful and we praise you for the open opportunity that we have this afternoon to enter into your throne room where it's just me and God. And we stand before the most holy. And as I'm leaning on this pulpit right now, I picture myself in your throne room leaning on the mercy seat and approaching you as the Holy Father. And we can only do this through Jesus Christ. And we come openly and boldly to you this afternoon. And we approach you humbly, knowing that our only approach is through the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Father, for the gift of faith that you have placed within every believer here. The ability to simply believe on you. And to know that through this faith in you, believing that Jesus Christ came from heaven, went to the cross for our sins, died, and rose again victorious, this faith, Father, gives us eternal life. And we thank you for it. I pray, Father, for Clem as he gives us a message this afternoon. May your spirit work with him through his heart and through his tongue. And may you work within each one of us as we listen and we apply it into our lives. As we look forward to being seated around the table together and with you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.
self-examination. As Bart already stated, 2 Corinthians speaks of that verse that says that we examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. And I agree with his opening that that is, that's why we're here. And that is the most important question for us this afternoon. As we do that, I want to take you to a time many years ago as Jesus sat around the table with his disciples. And you'll find that account in Matthew chapter 26. And they sat there, and here's what it says. It says the disciples, I'm sorry. Now when even was come, he sat down, this is verse 20, sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And I just so much appreciate the attitude that I read in those verses. The first question that they had was, Lord, is it I? And I just wonder if Jesus stood here this morning and he said that to us. One of you shall betray me, what, what's my response? I've got to say that there's probably times when my mind might go to someone else. Because there's somebody that's maybe, maybe somebody I don't like and I don't think, I don't know. Uh, maybe... It's kind of the guy that's struggling with his faith a little bit. Maybe it's the guy that doesn't see things the way that I do, and I don't think that maybe he's living the way he ought to be. Does that, do you ever feel that way? That when there's something comes up that maybe it's them, maybe it's not me. And... I appreciate that these disciples, these men of God, their first response was not, oh, is it him? Is it, or who is it? It was, is it me? And that's the way it should be for every one of us. To not believe that any one of us is above betraying the Lord. You know, I don't know how you see others. How you see Bart, Phil, or any of the older ones here, we can tend to think of mature believers as, maybe not perfect. I mean, I think we know they're not perfect, but we can hold them pretty high sometimes, right? And, and but that's not... Um, John MacArthur says this, he says, it's not about perfection. 
It's about direction and affection. And so I would just say this, that in Christianity, it's not about perfection of, of ourselves. But what is the direction of your life? And what's the direction of your affections? As you think back over the last year, where is your faith? I want to read 1 Corinthians 11, a few verses here, uh, 27 through 30. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. That's what we're here to do. And so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. What does this mean to eat in an unworthy manner? Does that mean to be totally sinless? Is that what this is inferring that we should be to commune tonight? I don't believe that it's saying that we've got to totally have our lives cleaned up and, and have totally sent out and be, be confident that we're able to approach the Lord's table because we've got it together. I think that perhaps part of the very purpose of being at the Lord's table is to comfort us as believers and to strengthen us in our weakness. So this eating and drinking unworthily, am I in danger of that? Examine yourself. I would say... Ultimately, it's, it's really not about your worthiness, worthiness, because none of us are worthy. We come to Jesus for our very worth. It's not what you've been able to do to clean up your own life that makes you worthy. But as you look to Jesus Christ by faith, that makes you worthy. Are you coming to the table in faith? It's unworthy people who approach the table. The difference between being an unworthy person coming to Jesus for our worth and eating and drinking unworthily comes down perhaps to, to my heart, to my attitude. David Garland, I read this quote from him, puts it this way, Although no one is worthy of the Lord's Supper, one can eat it worthily, worthily in a worthy manner. What would that mean then? What does it mean to eat the, eat the Lord's Supper and drink the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner? It means that we are approaching the table not dependent on ourselves, not dependent on our own merit before Christ, but rather we come by right faith in Jesus Christ and in right relationship with other believers. So as we come tonight, as we think about self-examination, I, I wanted to think for a moment, what, what, is, what does it mean to examine ourselves? What's an exam? Can any of you children answer that question? What's an exam? Man, all right. I put you to sleep already. 
like a test. It, it tests our, in, in school terms maybe, it tests our knowledge. It tests to see if we know what we say we know or what we're supposed to know. And it, it uh, yeah, it's just, it's a good checkup on what our knowledge is like. So, but then you think about going to a doctor. What's an exam at a doctor? You know, you might go to the doctor for an exam or you might go for a checkup. And in some ways are the same thing. In some ways they're, they could be a little different. One could be a bit more in depth than another. But we would go to make sure that you're as healthy as you should be. If you went for a checkup, you'd go and get your, your blood pressure checked and your heart rate and your hearing and your vision and your reaction. And they would check your body and maybe sometimes you go for an examination for a specific problem that you're having. Maybe your back is hurting and maybe there's an MRI done and the doctor is, is looking for the, the root of the problem and he's looking for a solution for why this is here and, it, and it's a deeper exam. I went to the doctor just this week for an exam. I kind of knew the problem. I couldn't breathe. My lungs were burning and I'd breathe too much dust. And so I went to the doctor and they examined me and they gave me some medicines and you know We can, we can examine ourselves, but sometimes we need someone more to diagnose the problem. You know, I, I kind of knew what was going on to a degree, but we need someone more than ourselves sometimes with the problems that we face in life. And so <laughs> they were able to pinpoint the problems, able to treat the problems, and... I can finally sleep again. I can finally breathe. Once again, the Lord has shown me the value of every breath that we so often take for granted. But, you know, sometimes we can have a problem and we're not aware of it. You go to the doctor and maybe they find a lump. Or they find skin cancer. Or they find something that you didn't know it was there. And it can be a life-saving event by having that checkup. And so, as we think about that in spiritual terms, as you're here this afternoon, as I'm here this afternoon, I don't know if you've come and if your chest is burning and you can't breathe spiritually. Or maybe you're here and you're feeling pretty good. And you're just here for a checkup and you think you're going to be in and out. But I would encourage you, wherever you find yourself, wherever you find your state of mind answering that question, that you be open to the diagnosis that you're given. That you be honest as the doctor asks the questions. Because if I go to the doctor and he asks me, if I've had any chest pain, 
functioning heart and so it is for us today if we're not honest with the Lord sin will continue to eat us alive do I have something that's not quite right that's harming my spiritual health This is self-examination, and it is. It starts with us coming and looking into our hearts. But I want to turn to Psalms 139. I want to read a few verses here. Familiar verses, no doubt. David writes these verses. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me, and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You compass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from thy spirit, or where shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And he's just acknowledging that God knows all things. Everything about him. And I think that we often say that, and we know that. Can we really believe that? Do we... Can we pray this prayer to God? And then I want to go on down to the, the last several verses. He just says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And this, I believe, is the great physician that he's praying to, that we are coming to this morning, this afternoon. It's not just us doing the examining. We need something more than, than what we have of ourselves. And he's here today, and he's examining each of us. And he's asking us questions, if we'll let him. He's searching for the problem. He's running the x-ray. And he's, he's going to find anything that's wrong if we will let him examine us. The only question is, will I accept the diagnosis? Let's just go to prayer as we continue. Heavenly Father, we pause before you. And we just invite you into this place and we just ask you, Lord, to, to speak to every heart in ways that, that I can't. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would examine us and would reveal to us 
ways that our faith is lacked. In ways that we need to turn our hearts and our trust more fully over to you. Lord, that you would show us anything that is wrong, whether we feel it or not. And that we would be willing, Lord, to lay it at the foot of the cross today, not next week. Lord, just to give it to you. Just pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to, to work in a mighty way in Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul writes, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. You know, you think about your honesty. Um, are we honest with God? I really appreciated the in the sermon this morning that account about the Amish man who had forgiven but yet he couldn't say those words <laughs> are we honest with God and I may have gotten ahead of myself a little bit there we'll come back to that <clears throat> but when when we when when the Lord speaks to our heart, are we able to to hear what He's saying? When He asks us questions, do we want to to hear them? I think about myself as a child, or your children, maybe, or however you want to think about it. But was what did I ever fear my dad's questions? I did sometimes, but it was only when I had something to hide. There's nothing to fear from being examined by the great physician unless you have something that you don't want found out, and then it may be a bit uncomfortable to have to answer those questions. But the, my, my prayer is that this afternoon that we would take this prescription of grace that he wants to give us, coupled with the physical therapy of practicing that faith in him that he recommends as treatment so that we can live, so that we can live abundantly, so that we can eat and drink worthily, not because of anything of our good doing, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of our faith that we are living out because we believe it. First John said, the unexamined life is not worth living, Socrates said. So as we examine our faith today, where is my faith? Over this last year, what is the direction of my faith? Where are the affections of my heart? <laughs> as Bart said maybe this isn't the time to dig up all the dirt of the past but it's a time to be honest about where my affections have been and where my life has been what my life has been testifying to 
And it's a, a time to ask, what are the things that I need to let go of? The selfish desires that I have held on to. The relationships that I need to make right. Maybe it is bitterness that I'm holding on to or pain that I won't forgive. As we heard about forgiveness this morning. We don't want to come to the Lord's table unworthily. To say that we believe and yet live in unbelief is eating causes us to eat and drink unworthily, to eat and drink damnation to ourselves. So this isn't a time to just confess the things from this week and to clean ourselves up for a few hours so that we can go to the Lord's table. That's not what this is about. It's not a temporary um, Catholic type of dealing with our sins. So I hope you don't see it as that. But it is an examination of my faith. No false fire. No whitewashed tombs. It's a time though to look into the deep depths of our hearts and to lay down and expose what's there and confess our weaknesses and to admit our need of a savior and just to be a hundred percent honest and to ask the Lord to help our unbelief am I living faith in Jesus I was thinking about with the, this discerning head knowledge from heart knowledge and maybe a little bit what can tend to happen. I'm not saying that's what happened with the Amish man, but, but I, I believe in forgiveness and so I will say that I forgive. But when it comes down to it and I really have to forgive and I really look that person in the eyes and tell them that I forgive them, sometimes it's harder. And so that... That can be a big one for us today in our culture to, we can somewhat understand truth, we can know truth, we can be familiar with it and yet not live it. We can say all the right things, but when it comes crunch time, whenever someone takes advantage of me or whenever someone pulls out in front of me or when someone doesn't do what I told them to do, I suddenly respond as if I don't know the truth. Do I really have the relationship with Christ that I confess to have? I think a little bit about Lot's wife. In uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 17, Jesus is speaking here. And in Luke 17, Beginning in verse 26, 
It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which is upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife? Just three words in a verse there. Remember Lot's wife. And I think you know the story. There was no one righteous but Lot, the Bible records. And God allowed him to leave Sodom and Gomorrah before he destroyed them. And he told him to get up into the mountain, into the woods. And, and Lot, it's an interesting story. If you go back to Genesis and read it, he, he said, well, no, I'll, I'll die out there. I'm not prepared. And so he let him go to a little town for a while first before he did ultimately end up going up in the mountains. But, but his wife and his daughters came along. and Well, it's interesting that the way that Jesus speaks that, he talks about in verse 31, he that's on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come take, sorry, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him not turn back, remember Lot's wife. And, and just this idea of turning back to the, to the things of the past. And it's kind of a big deal. Remember Lot's wife? Is my faith looking forward? Is my faith in Jesus Christ? Or am I looking back? Am I holding on to things from the past? You know, Lot's wife, I don't know what the status of her heart was. I, I have this little writing by J.C. Ryle I wanted to read. And in some ways, Lot's wife perhaps illustrates a person who sits in a church listening to godly teaching and preaching but never had a genuine conversion. <clears throat> Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. I will speak of the religious privileges which Lot's wife enjoyed. Not one in a hundred, perhaps, such, had such good examples, such spiritual society, such clear knowledge, such plain warnings of Lot's wife. Compared with millions of her fellow creatures in her time, Lot's wife was a favored woman, and couldn't that be said of us today? The heritage that we have, being raised with the word of God, we're favored people. Compared with the millions around us who have not been raised in such a way, we are favored people. And yet, we can sit here in church and never have a genuine conversion. 
Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Yet what good effect had all these privileges on the heart of Lot's wife? None at all. Notwithstanding all her opportunities and means of grace, notwithstanding all her special warnings and messages from heaven, she lived and died graceless, godless, and impenitent and unbelieving. The eyes of her understanding were never opened. Her conscience was never really aroused and quickened. Her will was never really brought into a state of obedience to God. Her affections were never really set on things above. The form of religion which she had kept, which she had, was kept up for fashion's sake and not from feeling. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing her company, but not from any sense of its value. And I would just say today, if you are living Christianity for fashion's sake, or for the sake of pleasing your company, your church, or your family, or whoever it might be. That maybe you can relate to Lot's wife. Says, he said, not from feeling, and not from any sense of its value. And if we're not living Christianity... Because it's, it's what is in our heart. It's the transformation of our heart. Because we are excited. We are passionate about what Jesus Christ has done. If there's not value in it to us, you might as well not come tonight. She did as others around her in Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his wake. But all this time, her heart was wrong in the sight of God. The world was in her heart, and her heart was in the world. In the state she lived and in the state she died, nothing so hardens the heart of a man as a barren familiarity with sacred things. Are you... Alive in Christ? Is your faith in Christ alone? I want to turn just for a few verses to 1 Kings chapter 8. I was in the service I was in last Sunday. This was preached through and there was just a couple verses that stuck out to me as I was thinking about this. This is Solomon's prayer of dedication to, for the temple. And it's a long chapter, and I'm just going to pull a couple verses out here briefly. Verse 38, he says, Whatever, What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all the people of Israel, which shall know, shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands towards this house. And that's a kind of a difficult verse to understand. But... What I hear him saying there is, is any prayer that is brought by any man who knows that he has sin in his heart and spreads forth his hands towards this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and do and give every man according to his ways whose heart thou knowest. God knows our heart. And then he goes on, for thou, even thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. And the truth is, you can... 
No one has to know your heart. You can keep that thing all tied up. But God knows what's in your heart. Whether you want to share it with anyone else or not, whether you want to make it look like something else, is up to you. But God and only God knows the hearts of all the children of men. Down in verse 46, again, as we think about self-examination, if you're here this morning and you're feeling good about yourself, I would just read you this verse. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. We are all sinners. We heard that this morning also. And then in verse 58, he says that he may incline our hearts, and this is just our, a prayer to God, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes. Verse 61, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. So, am I in the faith? Am I really living by faith, or have I just surrounded myself with people living by faith, never fully embracing it for myself? As we close, as we go to prayer, I just want to, I want each of us to go to the Lord for ourself. As we think about maybe just a quick recap of what one I've attempted to portray here. You think about your life. You think about this past month or this past year and you think about everything that's gone on and you examine your actions, your attitudes, talking about what you've done and why you've done those things. Sometimes you see that sin clearly and sometimes we don't. Sometimes the things that I've done in anger or in lust, I see that sin clearly. Sometimes my actions are clear, but sometimes maybe my, my heart is simply a swirling cesspool of, of sin that's maybe not so much acted upon, but it's just dirty in there. We need to repent of that as well. All of it. Our actions, our attitudes, our desires, as we think through these things, as we examine these things, and then we ask God to examine them. We cry out to God like Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me. And then we follow him in the way everlasting. We examine our attitudes and our actions and we ask God to reveal any secret. Whether we see them or whether God brings them to our mind by the illuminating of his word. And then to repent and to confess those sins to the Lord. To turn from them in sorrow and in disgust 
to be not just apologizing because we, we know we were wrong and we need to sort of get right, but to be in horror of our sin, and to be done with it, and to turn back to the Lord in faith, to turn to Christ, and, re- and to remember that this Lord's Supper is not for worthy people, but for those who approach worthily by faith in Christ. Because none of us are worthy or living right on our own. We can only come when we are pleading the blood of Christ. So let's kneel in prayer. We're not used to it and it can feel awkward. I just encourage you to pray to God on your own, even in this capacity. Ask God to search us and know us. Oh God, I pray, Lord, for each heart here. that you would reveal through your Holy Spirit our lack of faith. God, I know there's many times when there are things I should have done and I haven't. I haven't acted in faith. Lord, I just pray that you would forgive Forgive those failures. Lord, I pray that you would give me the strength to live for you. Just 100% sold out for you. To not be ashamed before men. Father, I just thank you for the promises of your word the grace, the the ocean of mercy that we heard about this morning, that you've promised to, to cast our sins to places we can never get them back. Lord, I just pray that we would give you every one of them, that we would look forward, that our faith would be a forward faith, that we would be revived people, that we would not turn back, that we would, as a warning, remember Lot's wife. Father, I just pray that as we go through the next couple hours, Lord, if there's relationships that we need to make right, that we would. And if there's, there's pain and just 
hurt that we need to talk to you about that we would. And Lord, that we would just allow the blood of Christ to cover us fully and completely. So that through his blood, through the power of his forgiveness, we could commune with you tonight in a fuller way. Lord, I just thank you for each person here, and I pray your spirit to continue to guide us in Jesus' name. Amen.